0: it's Chris. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You don't have to do any of that work. In addition, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Situation in the Story podcast, where you can peer into what happens behind the page as I pick authors' brains about their experiences, their process, and their purpose. I'm your host, Chris Moore. Pretty please, if you enjoy this content, Will you follow, subscribe, and most importantly, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts? As of now, this is a labor of love, but your feedback will help the show grow so that someday I can quit my day job to continue bringing you the profound stories of writers from all over the world. You can also support monetarily by going to anchor.fm slash situation story for as little as 99 cents per month. Shout out to Carrie O'Driscoll for being the Situation in the Story podcast's first financial supporter. Thank you, Carrie. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. my 11th episode, I sat down with Catherine Coldiron at AWP 2020 in San Antonio, Texas. I initially had big plans to interview many of our fearless feminist writers on site, but coronavirus ultimately won out when so many presses and attendees canceled their trips, and then I came down with a heinous cold that I'm sure had attendees double-taking me during panels. All of it was worth it, considering I got, I got to chat with Catherine, about her new novella, Ceremonials, published last month by Kernflunk Press. Catherine's work has appeared in Ms., Washington Post, The Times Literary Supplement, LARB, The Rumpus, and many other places.
1: So, why are you right? One of my professors in grad school forced us to write, uh, I think we had to slim it down to 250 words to answer that question. Oh. Um, and I started with pages and pages and pages and pages, And I wound up with um, two words, to communicate. Um, And it turned out uh, the people that I have conversations with about this um, are mostly like myself um, (laughs) because I love to talk to myself about this. And my husband, who's not a writer, Uh and my friend and mentor, Christopher Higgs, who thinks that writing to communicate is Preposterous. (laughs) So we ended up having an incredibly long conversation about this, about why he writes and why I write, and um, it's at Berfrois if you want to read it. Okay. (laughs) So to communicate is my answer. Sounds good. So mostly we're talking about your book,
0: Ceremonials, which just came out in February. Um, And I'm thinking about this book in the context of what you just said, and this doesn't feel like a to communicate book to me you're right (laughs) so what tell us how you
1: see this book how would you describe it well i mean a cheating answer would be that i'm communicating with the source material um that i'm trying to be in conversation with the album maybe um but you're right it's really it's not very helpful to its reader um and i'm awfully sorry about that but when i started the project um I didn't think that anyone would ever want to read it except me. Hmm. Um, It still blows my mind that this is my first book, because I've written way more publishable, way more marketable books. Right. (laughs) But this is the one that came out first.
0: And I think I read in another interview you did or something um, that this is not like what you usually write. No. It's a kind of a queer love story based on Florence and the Machine's album ceremonials, right? Yes. I had a, I used to be obsessed with that album and the other album, Lung, Lung to Lung. Between Two Lungs. Between Two
1: Lungs. Or no, the album is just called Lungs. The song is Between, but yeah. Yeah. I hadn't listened to it in
0: probably five years, so it was a nice little throwback, but... um,
1: What do you think? Does it it hold up from the days when you loved it? Oh God, yes. Oh good, good, good.
0: I'm a musician and I remember thinking then, like this is gonna be timeless like so yeah i think so
1: you know i listened to um i was obsessed with sarah mclaughlin's album fumbling towards ecstasy okay um and i know that's mainstream and i'm sorry but that was (laughs) like that was the album that i listened to over and 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 i just listened to it for the first time in i don't know five years yeah um and i told a friend that i i loved the music still But I missed being narcissistic enough to feel like everything in the music belonged to me Mm. instead of to the artist. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was listening to it. I was like, I wonder what she meant by that instead of thinking, oh, this applies to me. (laughs) Um, And that was that was an interesting experience. How does that experience compare to your relationship with Ceremonials, the album? Um, Because I'm telling a fictional story, I feel like it's I I feel like you could tell any number of stories about Ceremonials. And this is the one that I chose to tell, and it's, it's related to me only in as much as I came up with it. There's very little about it that is related to me as a human being. Um, I know what obsessive love feels like, but other than that, it's not a lot. So I feel like it's not the same thing as uh, fumbling, because that was like, this is my life, this is my life. Whereas with ceremonials, it's more, oh, this could be... Amelia and Corazon's lives, but it could also just be an album or someone else's life.
0: Right. I am curious about, yeah, about your choice to tell a queer love story. Do you identify as queer or bi?
1: Um, Queer is a funny word for me Uh because um, I am bisexual, but um, I feel like I pass as hetero. And that makes me uncomfortable to, like, it makes me uncomfortable to claim a word that means so much more to so many other people. Um, so I think of myself as bi. I fall under the queer umbrella, but because I'm married to a man and I live a basically heterosexual life, um, it's, it's tough for me to think that I deserve that word, right. if that makes sense. Well, I would say, um, as a queer person, I would say you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um,
0: okay, so the book. I was pleasantly surprised. I think it's about chapter three, or are they chapters? Kind of. Parts. They're so short. Yeah. Um, when the perspective shifted from Amelia's to Coruscant, was that a decision you made in the process, or something you set out when that you set out with at the start to do the multiple perspectives?
1: Um, it wasn't... I wasn't doing a formal experiment. Like, it wasn't sort of, I want to write a book from three different perspectives. It was more... Each song felt like it belonged to a different perspective. Okay. And some of those were Amelia's, some of those were Coruscant's, and then there's, I think, just one that's a collective perspective. Yeah. Um, And that, yeah, so it wasn't sort of intentional, but it was more, when I thought about the songs, I thought about how to make them work. Yeah.
0: Did you listen to the album while writing?
1: Some. Yeah. Um oh. eventually I got tired of it and right. <laughs> like you know, you you can only do it so much. Yeah. Um I did a playlist for Large Hearted Boy and in that I noted that um the song I listened to most often while I was writing was Bonnie Vere's Holocene. Oh wow. And I just because of the repeating guitar line in uh-huh. that, I was able to put it on repeat and just ride Let over it. Go. it. Yeah. yeah. Um but these songs are so intense that it's pretty difficult to listen to them on repeat.
0: Yeah. I think well Like I said, I was listening to it while reading. It was kind of fun to find the little clues. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad.
1: I've been wondering
0: about that for readers. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I listened to it on repeat for a long time, but it had been a long time. So it did take me a minute. Oh, I don't like concentrate. Mm -hmm. In the first chapter, I was like, why does she keep saying concentrate? And then I'm like, duh, the song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. when i finished your book i wanted so badly for it to be longer and i wonder why did you choose the novella form slash genre oh not to say that it shouldn't be in that form no 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 like, that's i want more no that's
1: not how i take it um when i started shopping this book at least one editor said to me you need to fill this out and make it more of a collection like i my vision for it was a collection of linked stories uh-huh. um, which I think is sort of a cheaty way to write a book but I was willing to do it. Um, yeah. And uh, But th- when I was finished writing, I felt like the project was finished. Mm-hmm. And I wanted so much to sort of to do that, to go back and fill it out because I knew it would be so much easier to sell if it wasn't 18,000 freaking words. <laughs> um, but the project really felt complete and The more I tried to find places to put uh, more work, it just didn't come together. Yeah. So I I know what you mean. But part of me is happy that there's so little of it because I hope that means that the reader will fill in the gaps. That. And also, there's nothing better than leaving a reader wanting more. That's true. Instead of feeling like, okay, I've read a thousand pages of Infinite Jest. That's enough. (laughs) I'm I'm done. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So,
0: reading, it seemed to me like you took parts and pieces from the album, uh, but I'd, I'd probably have to read it again. <laughs> um, Did you do it in chronological order with the album at all? Yeah. You did? Okay. Yeah.
1: Each, each chapter corresponds to each song okay. in order. So, um, um, loosely. Maybe I just have... I'm
0: out of it because I have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Um, Did you send a copy of Florence?
1: No. Um, I did reach out to her people in a bunch of different ways to try and make sure that they weren't going to sue me. Right. Um, and I got in touch initially with a couple of her people and over time, the thing that they eventually did was just stop responding. Oh. So I emailed them finally and I was like, look, I'm going to take your lack of response to construe that you're not going to sue me and also that you have no interest in helping me with this project. Are we cool? And they didn't write back. And I was like, okay, I did my due diligence. Yeah. Um, I really want <clears throat> to get in touch with her book club, which is called Between Two Books. Ah. Um, and my hope is that they'll select the book, but they're on hiatus right now. So I'm hoping to do that later. And through that, it might get into her hands. Um, I've thought about sending it to like the fan club, but that just seems like... I feel awkward about it, but that seems like a dead end. That seems like it would just get to fans, which I want to reach to fans, obviously. But um, I just don't know how much closer that will get me to the goals of having her read it. Yeah,
0: that's (laughs) going to be amazing
1: when she does, I hope.
0: Oh. Um, Do you think she knows? Does she know it exists or just her people?
1: I don't think she does, but I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I would hope that she's not sort of insulted or feels like it's. You know, I hope that she sees that it's an inspiration slash tribute as opposed to ganking her idea. Right, right, right. <laughs>
0: I, I mean, she seems pretty, like, a pretty smart artist. I would think so. But I have the same self-doubt, I think. Yeah. Um, how long is this in the making? I feel like I read that it's been, like,
1: a long time. Yes. Um. I started writing in, I'm going to say 2014 because... It took me a while to kind of get up the courage to write it because I didn't I didn't think anyone would care Uh Um, and to kind of clarify my ideas about the album and the book and what I wanted to say. Um, I wrote in very short bursts over a very long period of time. So the actual writing time was a matter of weeks, maybe a couple of months, but I wrote a little bit throughout 2014, and then in 2015, um, I got really sick. I had a mental health uh, problem and um, couldn't write and eventually couldn't read, and then I got good help and um, felt better Yeah. and came back and finished it and then shopped it for about two years. Um, So, as with any writing project, it's always sort of periods of activity spaced out by periods of enormous inactivity.
0: Yeah. Yep. I know how that is <laughs> um have you seen the movie portrait of a lady on fire not yet you have too has anybody else told you that
1: no but i'm I, i'm uh, i have a degree in film oh, so okay. um i follow a lot of film people is it related to the henry james novel
0: um mm, i don't think so okay um but your book reminded me of it oh wow okay that's I'm a my... great compliment yeah um it's beautiful So, um, okay, so we're at AWP.
1: We are.
0: (laughs) What made you come despite all the cancellations?
1: Uh, stubbornness partially. (laughs) Uh, my best friend was coming and I really wanted to hang out with her. Uh, I don't go to AWP for the panels. Mm -hmm. I go to Wander in the Book Fair Mm -hmm. and feel like, um... To say to be among people who understand my endeavor makes me sound like, you know, one of those people who hangs live, laugh, love on their wall. No, it does Um, not. But just, and I just feel like it's, to be among other writers is a real pleasure. Um, No matter how much we disagree on Twitter, um, it's still kind of nice to be in the presence of that many minds trying to do the same thing. Uh, I also... (laughs) i planned my book tour around leaving from awp Mm. so i could have canceled or taken a later flight or whatever but i didn't see the point like i would have just come to san antonio anyway right so um also i you know i tend to think the corona we're all going to get the coronavirus so (laughs) like that's what the cdc is saying we're all going to get it so why bother yeah Um, also very important. I'm uh, not commonly around any immunocompromised people or children. Mm. Um, I spend more time with horses than I spend with people at this point. So that's, that's good to know. I want to know what you thought of the book. Okay. Um, If you didn't like it, you can tell me. No, I love it. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. (laughs) I love it because
0: it reminds me, I mean, I don't know, as a, a person who has definitely been involved in obsessive love plenty of times. Like that's kind of a story. That's something a lot of us have been through without actually losing the person right. to death. So I could relate the way like an ex lover, <clears throat> excuse me, follows you mm-hmm. and, then, and you compare uh, everyone else to them. Mm-hmm. So that was beautiful. I thought, and I just started, I write nonfiction and I, just a few weeks ago wrote my first short story so that was also really interesting to read all the different perspectives in your book because I don't have a clue what I'm doing with fiction (laughs) so I feel like it gave me license to be creative and and
1: whatnot with perspective and point of view (coughs) that's so important yeah Um, yeah I I would not have had the freedom to write this book without um, mentors showing me like, there's more banana stuff out there, you know? Yeah. It's not just... You're not crazy for thinking these weird ideas about fiction nonfiction. fiction yeah. So, it is so important to have that.
0: I had a weird... Here, since you're a film person, I had a weird <laughs> idea. Like, the other day I was watching... a. I don't know what I was watching. um. But this idea popped into my head. What if they made a film where a famous person plays themselves but it's not actually true to their life. Is this already a thing? Am I being really oblivious?
1: <laughs> You're not being oblivious. Um, it's happened in small ways, like being John Malkovich. Um, right. Malkovich in that movie is not really himself. Right. Um, there's a scene in, I think, like, Oceans 8 or Oceans 13 where Julia Roberts plays Tess Ocean playing Julia Roberts. I yeah, just saw that yeah, the yeah. other day. Wait, is um, that the Oceans 8 I have no idea. Is that
0: the female one?
1: It's, I mean, Matt, I watched the scene. Yeah. And it was Matt Damon and Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts in the scenes. And then um, I think it was, fuck, what's his name? Um, Clooney? No, no, no. It's um, the guy who's the um, Avenger. No, a black guy. Um, Anthony Mackie, I think. Okay. I don't remember. I'm awfully sorry. (laughs) <laughs> it's
0: okay. Um I saw that Ocean Z in France in French, so a
1: lot of it was lost <laughs> on me. Oh god. Um but I was really I love the oceans. No, but I think there's also it's nagging at my brain, but there's also thing I think a French film that does that. That's mm. like it follows No, I'm thinking of a book I read this year. You should read this book. It's called Star and it's by I believe his name is Yukio Ishima. Okay. And it's about um a guy who is a movie star in japan written by a guy who is a movie star in japan who then fucking committed seppuku in the 70s when he was at the peak of his career um Tell and me so more about that <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> he was i don't remember what he was protesting but it was like the guy like the monk who burned himself okay like that Isn't there um, another word for it uh i don't know uh, okay but But he legit did that. Like, he stabbed himself in the stomach, like, in the old way. Oh, man. And this book, it's like this little novella that talks about um, I mean, when you stand back from it, it's about performativity. Yeah. And how um, celebrities are constantly having to perform, even when they're not performing. Right. You know, and there's levels of it. It's amazing. I'm into Star Studies, so, like, this novella was written for me. Okay, who's it by again? I think his name is Yukio Ishima, but I might be getting some of those um, vowels wrong. I'll figure it. I'll find it. I'll hunt it's it down. It's on New Directions. Okay. Did you see a Parish Light? No. Really? Sorry. I've, like... uh I don't really follow contemporary film. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) I've kind of given up on it. Gotcha, gotcha. Well,
0: if you were to see one. If you were to see two, Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Parasite.
1: (laughs) I want to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That that interests me. It's incredible. The people who have been talking about it are people I trust.
0: Yeah, yeah. For instance. (laughs) (laughs) So um, is any of your book autobiographical or semi-autobiographical
1: at all? Um aside from knowing obsessive love, yeah, not really. um the thing that I have been saying that is true, of course, is um my friend Dolly describes herself as an unsuccessful bisexual, okay. which is also how I identify oh. <laughs> um, because uh, I have um I've gone out with almost entirely men my whole life. And then there was like one or two women. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read Lydia Novich's The Chronology of Water, I loved that she reversed it, that she mostly dated women and then married men. Um, and I wanted to know what a successful bisexual would look like, who was a woman. Right. So for um, Amelia, she mostly dates women. And then there's this one guy who's not that really a guy. interesting. <laughs>
0: and I identify as
1: gay, like a lesbian, but
0: I was intrigued by the bull <laughs> of course to you one. were I'm like okay i could see myself fucking this guy absolutely um, like, that's interesting so where is it set or do you leave that to the reader i know i don't know it feels continental to me like european yeah and
1: i made it older i made it mushy yeah because and this was another thing where i was like well you have to have a real setting you have to pick which city she moves to after graduation and then i was like no i don't know mm-hmm like why I really don't um (laughs) I envisioned that the Cartwright school is kind of in England sort of Mm -hmm. and then I envisioned that the city she's in is kind of New York sort of but it could be Chicago um and yeah I I didn't really want to pin it down I wanted more to for it to be loose and um in terms of time period I really fudged that a lot because Mm -hmm. I wanted to have jukeboxes, but I also wanted to have live jazz music. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to have like haircuts from the 20s and like dresses from the 30s. Yeah. So I just you know, put it in a blender.
0: Yeah. I like it. Thank you. I like how it kind of, like what the reader has to do kind of mimics what you did with Florence's album.
1: Oh. That's interesting. Say more.
0: Say more. Like, there's room for imagination, right? So setting, I mean the before story. <laughs> There's not a lot. I wanted to know so much more about both of them mm-hmm. and their affair, so mm-hmm. to speak. So a lot of it's left up to our imagination, which I think is gives room to, to just wander creatively in my head. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that happened. Yeah. What else? So what is, What's next for you, even though this just came out yeah. last month? Um, well, you write a lot online and whatnot, right?
1: Yes, I do. Um, for the last two years, I've primarily been a book critic. Mm. Um, I'm not shutting that down entirely, but I'm doing a little bit of a hiatus. Last September, I counted up and I had written, I had published, I think, 13 reviews that one month. Oh, my God. And that... <laughs> um, that showed me that I was doing too many book reviews. Yeah. Um, so I kind of turned down the volume on that. Um, and I want to wait and see how this book does before I figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my year. Um, I have some manuscripts basically ready to go. I've got, um, a craft book that I'm shopping. That's, um, about what you need to know when you first start submitting work as a writer. Um, I just finished, well, I didn't, finished is in quotation marks um a book of essays that each essay of there are 10 of them each essay is a mixture of film criticism fiction and memoir oh my god (laughs) that sounds like heaven so i took um like i took a film and i wrote a story like I took Singing in the Rain and I wrote about um, my teeth, which are uh, their veneers. And the sort of the history of my veneers is um, an interesting one, in my opinion. And uh, so I wrote about like fakery and how in Singing in the Rain, there's a scene where... um, debbie reynolds's character is dubbing gene hagan's character but gene hagan's voice is actually dubbing Demi Re- debbie reynolds's voice what? which is <laughs> fucked up and it's like that's what hollywood is that's yeah. what hollywood is about so i wrote this essay around that and my teeth and then you know um and john degado, of course i can't wait <laughs> couldn't leave that. him out um no one wants it i've submitted it i that's think 20 crazy. times um, um so that's like the next almost finished book and then after that i'm writing a book about uh bad movies
0: nice (laughs) old bad movies
1: new bad movies like lots of different ones Mm. um like i'm gonna write a very very long essay about plan nine from outer space okay and then i'm definitely gonna write about the room um you think
0: that's a bad film yes tell me
1: more how can it not be wait the room not Room. Not Room. Not Emma Donoghue's book okay, movie sorry. Room. Okay, No, The Room by Tommy Wiseau.
0: Oh, The Room. <laughs> like, that's the guy that they made a movie about, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, there was a book about him and then it got turned into a movie, which that, is bonkers, but...
0: Did you like that film?
1: The movie that got made out of the book that was about The Room. Yeah. I didn't necessarily love the movie. I thought Franco did Wiseau so really, really, really well, but I loved the book. Yeah. I loved the book so much. And kind of... It felt like it took away a lot of the magic of the book oh, to make really? it into Yeah. Well, um, and I'm not usually that kind of person about right. books into movies, but this one, yeah,
0: no. It became, I haven't read the book, so. Oh, you should. I, it's a treat.
1: No, I feel like I have to,
0: but that film became like a cult classic immediately. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was funny. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, so The Room, and then I'm going to write about Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, um, which is most famous from a Patton Oswald routine, but is a phenomenal little movie. It's like, it's amazing. You can, everybody, you can find Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, free on YouTube, and I highly recommend that you watch it. It is amazing. I thought it was a terrible film. It's amazingly oh, terrible. It's, well, it's
0: the terribly thing, amazing. One of
1: the things that I want to write about with bad film is that when someone who doesn't know how to make a movie makes a movie, what they make is novel. It's completely new and fresh and interesting. And sometimes that's a complete disaster, like in The Room, which tries to be a real movie, but can't be. (laughs) Whereas um, Deathbed is like, the guy doesn't know how to make a movie, so the pacing is wrong, the acts are wrong, the way that he does voiceover is wrong, the way he does backstory is wrong. Everything about it is like misplaced and that makes it such a fun experience because you're not it's not following the rules of american film which are so rigid yeah um so that's that's why i love it it is not good it's um i mean it's about a bed that eats people (laughs) um but it's oh it's so much fun
0: i can't wait for both of these projects (laughs) thank you um um hold on i had a thought and then i lost it oh no cold brain coronavirus uh, Was it about movies? or Yes. Uh, What's uh, your favorite film of all time? Or we
1: can do top three or top five. I'm into top lists.
0: <laughs> um, what are
1: some formative? Okay, here's some here's some Im- movies that have been important to okay. me. A movie called Ordet by um, Carl Theodore Dreyer is the most pretentious film that I adore. <laughs> um, because it's slow and ponderous and irritating. Um, But it's a masterpiece. And somewhere around 45 minutes in, I recognized that I was not actually bored. I was fascinated. It was like, I thought I was bored for most. And then it turned over and I was like, holy shit, this movie (laughs) is amazing. In that same vein, Night of the Hunter from 1951 by Charles Lawton is it stands completely alone in classical Hollywood. It's nothing like any of the films that were made during the classical period. Um, I used to really love The Graduate. I do not anymore. I really love Gentlemen Prefer Blondes um, because it's just, it's such a perfect and fun and not terrible kind of demonstration of what Hollywood can do when it throws as much money as possible at a oh. project. I haven't seen a lot of old films
0: or older <laughs> films
1: except oh. for like Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah my husband's and my favorite film is footlight parade which is a pre-code film from 32 i think with james cagney and joan Blondell, and it's it's a complete fucking delight and there's (laughs) a terrible racist scene right at the end and so every time we watch it we're like uh why why because we would love to be like this is the greatest movie ever (laughs) except that it has this ridiculous racist scene at the end yeah those were the
0: days. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: But if you, can, if you can kind of grit your teeth past that scene, it's such a delight. Yeah.
0: What are your favorite movies? Uh, they're newer, so they're not classic. But my all-time favorite film is I Heart Huckabees. Oh, I love that movie.
1: <laughs> no one has seen that movie. Yeah,
0: I've seen it probably 20, 30 times. Oh,
1: more people need to see it. Yeah. It's so cool. It's incredible. Were you a philosophy major? i should have been because that's like but, philosophy majors you know, love that movie yeah i'm definitely a
0: big part of who i am do you um so yeah i heard huckabee's lately portrait of a lady on fire was incredible i don't know i like kind of
1: nerdy like wilderness movies like <laughs> have you seen um oh fuck what's the name of it um it's about well, it's about these guys who take a camping trip and then they meet these Japanese girls who blow up one of them's head. No, um, I have not. It's cause it's a it's I don't watch a, a lot of horror type stuff. It's a nerdy wilderness movie. Okay, um, it's it's pretty neat. Um, the Catechism Cataclysm is the name of this movie. Interesting. And it Love too. That name. It too is a great surprise.
0: Okay, but um, I think
1: I just gave away the surprise.
0: Did you see Midsummer?
1: Yes, I did. Okay,
0: that shit was. <laughs> that was something else
1: it was (laughs) I just no I I adored the movie but I also thought everyone who's talking up this movie as amazingly brand new has not seen the original Wicker Man right because it's the same thank you like no one (coughs) hello it's the same damn movie except that it has this feminist turn about half an hour before the end which I love I love this turn that it took but also like guys it's the same movie
0: right (laughs) Uh, do you read Maggie Nelson at all? Yes, the book. The first thing that you said is next for you. Yeah, the kind of reminds me of yeah Argonauts or something. Yeah, That's no, cool. it does.
1: It, she she's an influence yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, but fuck. also mainly mainly John Haskell because he <laughs> he started he wrote this collection that has. Um, film criticism embedded in short stories and he imagines scenes that could have happened in movies and i was like when i read that i was like i didn't know you could do that i'm writing that yeah so that's cool this
0: makes my brain like open up a lot so (laughs) thank you thank you this was a treat yeah um let's get to marissa's panel woohoo
1: marissa's panel
0: drama of women something or other yeah all my favorite topics yep <laughs> all right cool thank, thank you, you yeah thanks again for tuning in Till next time keep reading